great Odin's raven. It's crazy, it's crazy, it's crazy. This is, uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, with, I'll go. Hello, welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 46. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined, as always, by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? Doing all right. Getting ready for the, the holidays. This is going to be our last episode before Christmas. Yay. Christmas. Yep. Means pretty much nothing to me. I'll be working. Ooh. Uh, this week we're going to be reviewing Judd Apatow's This Is 40. We also have some Amazon Blu-ray deals. We'll be making our weekly movie predictions. And finally, we'll be going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray release. Singular. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. I saw that there's <laughs> one film coming out. <laughs> uh, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. We'll start it with you Ooh. this week, Kevin. How about before we get into that, let's discuss a little bit of zero dark 30 here this whole uh the movie's coming out and then we pull it at the very end and make it limited and release it later what is this bullshit is that what happened because i thought i just fucked up no no that's what happens the same thing that happened with silver linings playbook because when i want to see this is 40 they had the posters for zero dark 30 with a piece of paper taped over the old release date that now says January 11th, but you could see through the paper and see that it said December 21st. Yeah, that's what I, I like could have sworn that it was supposed to be out. And then all of a sudden it's not. I'm like, wait a minute. And then I look and it says limited release. And I was like, what? okay, well, I guess I just screwed up. Because I, for some reason, I screwed up big time last week. And like, like for our predictions, there were like movies that came out that we didn't predict. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just messed up. I don't know. I dropped the ball. Yeah, but, but no, even I think it was like Wednesday or Tuesday, I checked showtimes and the movie theaters were saying that they were getting Zero Dark Thirty. And I was like, awesome. This is going to be great. And then I didn't find out until you text me and you're like, yeah, it's not coming out. Well, that was, yeah. And that's the weird thing. Like, uh, after I saw that it wasn't coming out, I looked on Rotten Tomatoes to see like how they're they have their upcoming movie list i was looking at it and i didn't even see it on there at all even in the january section i had to like type in the name of the movie and go to it and there it said january 11th yeah because they're dicking over everyone this during this uh holiday time movies come out at all different times and it's it's really weird plus the whole award season because I imagine that's what they're doing. They're holding off. They're getting it in Los Angeles and New York. So it's eligible for the awards. Right. And then once all the buzz starts about all the awards that it's garnering, then they're going to release it into the theaters and hope to get more people out. But why not just re-release it? I don't know. They do that with a lot of movies. Yeah, no. I remember uh, they did a bunch last year. I think they re-released The Artist. Mm-hmm. That's last year. What always happens, like at the movie theater I go to, you get like all the best picture nominees. Yep. Well, anyway. Bullshit. Anyway. I'm going to boycott that damn movie now. I'm not. I still really want to see it. Yeah, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm really excited for it. Uh, so what did you watch this week? Oh, but it does come out on the same weekend as Gangster Squad. So it's a double feature that weekend. Double feature. Nice. Uh, I started off with. Uh, I tried to watch this movie before Skyfall came out. I'm talking about Casino Royale. And apparently a lot of other people had this idea. So it was on like an extremely long wait from Netflix. So I finally just got it this past week. So I was able to see it, you know, just in time for Skyfall. And I have to say, I'm, I think I'm like, I think I'm digging this whole uh, James Bond thing. Yeah, dude. I think I, I, well, think I can get into those, it. Except the Pierce Brosnan. The, I'm not going to do those that. Those are the two best ones that you that you saw, though. Yeah. I'm still Casino not going to. Royale and, Scott, and Skyfall. Like, now, if you see Quantum of Solace, you'll be singing a different tune. I guarantee it. Yeah, I'm worried about that. I, it's You don't need to see it, though. That's the thing. Like, the two that you saw, that's it. Okay. Because Casino Royale, Casino Royale is the thing that kicks it off. So that's an important one, but... Also, Casino Royale has a completely different style to it than yeah. Skyfall. Plus, I love the fact that it's, you, can, you know, it, you can tell that it was made during the height of the whole Texas Hold'em craze. 
They center the entire movie around that. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, Casino Royale, this one, I think there was actually another Casino Royale Bond movie. There was uh well, I, I know um, there's or maybe it was the book. I know yeah, there's the book. I know there's a I think a Peter Sellers movie called Casino Royale. Yeah. From 67, which is a a spy spoof movie. I thought that maybe this one was I don't know. I know it's, I it claim. is based on the book though. I think. I don't Pretty claim true. to know a lot about Bond. No, this is a Bond movie. It's an early spy spoof. Aging James Bond, Orson Welles plays Le Chief, who. I wonder if that's like a real considered to be. I don't think it's. It's definitely not a real James Bond. Can't be. Woody Allen's in it. (laughs) We know it's not. (laughs) So you, I I take it you enjoyed you enjoyed Casino Royale then. I enjoyed it, and I found myself an idiot at the beginning because it was very tense. Like the whole opening chase scene when he's in like mm-hmm. Mali or whatever. And I'm like, oh my God, is he going to make it? And then the voice in my back of my head is like, if Bond's not going to die, you idiot. <laughs> when they're like jumping across the cranes and shit. Uh, some reason yeah. I really thought he would die. <laughs> well, that's, that's how you know that it's done its job. Where you can like kind of forget about the fact that obviously James Bond's not going to die. Yeah. Plus Matt's... Was it Mads Mikkelsen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was badass. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of anticlimactic the way he was disposed of. Yeah. But a solid film. Still not going to see any of the Pierce Brosnan ones. Because every time I think oh. Pierce Brosnan, I think of a uh, Robinson Crusoe cover. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's all I think of. <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, I mean, GoldenEye is probably the only Pierce Brosnan one that's worth watching. I'd just rather play the game. I'm sure I can learn just as enough from the game, right? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, from what I remember, the game sort of follows the story, at least a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with the game. There you go. Bust out the old N64. Hell yeah. Uh, the next film I watched was A a Christmas Tale. It's a French movie from 2008. Uh, starring Catherine Deneuve, who is in the, uh, who's the main character from The Umbrellas of Sh- Cherbourg that Ryan did not watch. Uh, this is, it was a good movie. It, it's your typical dysfunctional family. Uh, the matriarch uh, comes down with like a rare type of cancer and she needs a bone marrow transplant. And you got to get all the family together, get the test done to see who's compatible. Uh, uh-huh. And, you know, they use Christmas as the backdrop to get everyone together. Now, the main thing is that the oldest sister has banished one of the brothers from the family. And he hasn't been able to see them in like five years. Because apparently that's something that you can do is like exile a family member. Um, the only thing I could think of watching this movie was, ah, uh, I want to watch Royal Tenenbaums. Because they borrow a lot from the Royal Tenenbaums. But tweak it, tweak it just enough that it's not completely copying. Like there's a, is it like, so is it like quirky? Is it like a comedy? No, it's not quirky at all. It is not really a comedy at all. But the old sister, you know, that does the banishment thing. She's a playwright. Mm. Um, you have the one brother's wife is in love with the cousin and the cousin always just wants to be part of their family wants to be like one of the brothers, sort of like Owen Wilson's character. Mm-hmm. And just borrowing a good bit, just made me want to see Royal Tenenbaums, essentially. And then it, this is like, this is one criterion, and it's it got a lot of praise, and I just don't really see it. It wasn't that great of a movie. I thought it was decent enough. But they just, the director makes a lot of odd stylistic choices, where like parts of the movie feels like a 70s film, Parts of it's like a documentary. There's parts where a person's like reading a letter and they're just sitting in a chair staring at the camera narrating to you. And then there's like Mm. fade cuts and they do like uh, some shots from like early silent film, you know, where there's like the circle and it opens up Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or it closes in on the character. It's just sort of irritating. So not really a recommend. 
would not recommend this film, especially given all the praise that it I've read about it. I was highly let down. And then the other one that deserves all the praise that it has gotten over the years since 1950 is Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa. I've been meaning to see this film for probably ever. I thought, didn't you like get get that on like Netflix or one of those like way back in the day? I and we just never watched it. Probably that's happened so many times. Like Andre Rublev. <laughs> now I haven't. I've never seen Rashomon either, so that's definitely on my list of shame. I mean, this, the, and of course, this is on my list of movies that I had to see before the end of the year, which I realized that it's really close to the end of the year. So I got lucky that this was playing on Hulu for free. Uh, it has since expired, so I don't think you can see it anymore. But um, it's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It has the myth that the Oscars essentially created best foreign language film because of this movie. And at the time that he made this, it's one of those movies where you people are recounting a heinous crime and you see it from the different viewpoints and they essentially just keep replaying what happened, but the, mm-hmm. the various versions and it's done through, you know, flashbacks and all this stuff that wasn't really done at the time. And they were really worried that the audience would have a difficult time understanding the film, but he does an absolute amazing job. Because essentially, you're just watching the same thing over and over again. And it's just slightly changed, you know, depending on who's retelling the story. Right. And how many times since then have we seen that? Oh, yeah. That same. Everyone. I mean, done everything. This. Everything. Well, he's the one that started this. There's only one slight problem to this movie. Now, I did, I, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. Just because it's almost perfect in every way. One slight thing to it. The laughter. And this film is essentially them just screaming, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like real laughter at all. It's that diabolical, just over-the-top laughing. It was just really weird. Hmm. I don't know if that's just how they did, did laughter back in the day. I'm just curious to know what people thought in the 50s. If they were just like, yeah, that's how people laugh. Maybe that's how they really did <laughs> laugh back then. We just evolved. <laughs> We've devolved our laughter. The slight chuckle, but back then it was legitimately ha 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 <laughs> at the top of your lungs. Literally saying ha ha ha. The only thing that, and I've, again, it's an extremely minor quibble, but I did find it odd. But definitely a 10 out of 10 on that one. Unbelievable film. And that's it. Okay. Uh, I saw quite a few movies this week. I've been going through trying to see all the Spirit Awards nominees. So I started off with Gaby. This is a comedy about a a woman who decides that she wants to have a child. She's in her 30s and she doesn't have a boyfriend or anything. So she decides to have a baby with her gay best friend. And rather than doing like the uh what's it called in vitro fertilization Mm -hmm. rather than doing it that way she decides that she wants to do it the good old-fashioned way and have sex with him um i wasn't really interested in this i remember seeing the trailers back when it played the the festival circuit a while back and i wasn't that interested in it but it's actually very funny Uh, i laughed out loud quite a few times and and according to ryan's law that means it is funny that uh, yes that means that it is funny and it's, it has a lot to do with comic books too which is odd because he the the gay best friend uh works at a comic book store so there's a lot of like comic book references and stuff uh, okay which um i didn't know that was a part of it yeah, that's that's always a plus for me, um, but it's it's really good. Like it's a light film. There's not you know a lot to speak of as far as you know <laughs> socioeconomical impact or whatever. <laughs> but but it's just a it's just a fun low budget indie film 
that I recommend. Okay. Uh, one that I don't recommend is the Baytown Outlaws. This is the new movie with uh, Ava Longoria and uh, Billy Bob Thornton. This is basically just a Tarantino ripoff. It also kind of felt like uh, Smoke and Aces to me, or even The Warriors, where it's about this these three brothers that are hired to recover this uh, disabled wheelchair-bound godson of Ava Longoria, and Billy Bob Thornton oh my God. plays this like criminal. Um, this sounds terrible. Boss. This just and sounds awful. When Billy Bob Thornton finds out that they're coming for him, he hires all these people, these different gangs of people to try to kill them. Oh, God. And there's like a group of Native Americans. There's an all-girl group that <laughs> it's it's so bad oh this and sounds it, terrible and i love those kinds of movies but not the ones that are just shameless ripoffs and there's nothing original about this movie it's just it's so bad um todd did the review on the site he gave it a four out of ten he did not like it either so uh this is currently playing on <clears throat> demand uh, and it com- and it comes out in limited release, I believe, January, either the 11th or the 19th or something. But all of those points are moot because do not watch them. Do not see it. It no. sounds terrible. Uh, another one that I do recommend is called Electric Children. This is uh, one of the Independent Spirit Award nominees. I'm not sure what it got nominated for. I didn't write that down. I think it got. I think it's the Cassavetes Award. Really? Okay. Well, or the, uh, the Someone to Watch Award? I don't, I don't remember know, there being but, a Someone uh, to Watch Award. Maybe. It's it's really it's interesting. It's uh, basically about this girl who lives on this super religious. I guess it's Mormon. Yeah, because it's in Utah. So I think she lives in this like Mormon compound with her family and. Uh, she discovers an audio tape, which is the the movie takes place in I think ninety six or ninety eight, and she just discovers like the existence of music and audio tapes because mm. they they live you know very very simply yeah, and she listens to this music this tape and somehow becomes pregnant and she thinks that this music on this cassette tape got her pregnant. So she decides to run away from the compound and try to find the musician that's on the tape. Gotcha. That got her pregnant. Uh, An original idea. Interesting. It's an original very, idea. I like that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I think that it kind of falls apart near the end, but Rory Culkin's in it. And I like him. And the big one, Billy Zane is in it. Oh, Billy Zane is still working. The Phantom. The Phantom himself is in this. Wow. He plays the father. And he does a good job, too. I thing about Billy Zane is he's not a bad actor. I just think that I don't know what happened to him. Yeah. He is pretty much good in everything he's been in, for the most part, that I've seen, I guess I should say. Yeah, I think that maybe he just made some poor choices and that kind of hurt his career, but whatever. So, Electric Children... Check it out. I'd recommend that. Uh, Storage 24, however, this is another movie that's playing on demand currently, and it's going to be getting a limited release in January. I do not recommend this. It is absolutely horrible. This is a UK film, and it's sort of a sci-fi horror movie about aliens, um, but it's also a comedy. Again, original idea. Original idea. Although it's not funny at all, it's... It's basically just ripping off Attack the Block or even The Watch. The aliens in this kind of looked like the ones from The Watch. Great. It's it's so bad. I hated every second of this movie. It felt like a sci-fi original film. That's what it felt like. Great. It's awful. And the thing that really upsets me about this is that it was uh, co-written and I think pre- it was co-written and starred Noel Clark who is um he's actually a really good actor 
and he's a director as well and a producer and a writer and he's done movies like adulthood and adulthood and um another one called 4321 which i liked a lot he only he directed adulthood and 4321 and i like him and i really like all those movies but man he just dropped the ball with this one <laughs> it's unfortunate but i would stay away from that one however if you just have to see it. It's on iTunes. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I saw a movie called Women in Cages. Women? And this is uh, part of... I started a new feature on the site where every week, every week from now until the end of time, I'm going to be writing a review on a an exploitation film or grindhouse film. We're calling it Grindhouse Weekly. So I kick things off with a movie called Women in Cages. This is from 1971. It stars a young Pam Greer. And it's pretty... It's decent. Back in the 70s, there was this big boom in uh, prison movies. Yeah, there was a lot of prison movies. Especially women in prison movies. And this this movie... The reason that I picked this for the the first... Uh, volume in this series is because this had everything. I mean, when you think of exploitation films, this is this is it. Uh, first of all, it stars Pam Greer, who is pretty much the queen of the exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's <clears throat> produced. It was produced by Roger Corman, who is like the ultimate B movie producer. I think he made like five hundred movies or something. Uh, it was it was shot in the Philippines, which back then all the B movies were shot in the Philippines. There were so many movies. In fact, they made a documentary about about it. So many movies were shot in the Philippines because it was so cheap and there was like no labor restrictions at all. Yeah, and they could just do whatever they wanted. So it's pretty much got everything. Plus, uh, Roger Corman produced something that we have to get ryan to see which is we talked about it way back camel spiders oh, yeah i knew you were camel spiders that. yes he did do camel spiders i mean roger corman did tons uh, and tons of movies super he was, he was actually very very influential i mean like he's the one that uh basically made jack nicholson a star he he's extremely influential in hollywood and this movie's it's good. I mean, it's not great. The acting's terrible. Pam Greer is awful in this movie. <laughs> like, I like Pam Greer quite a bit, but this is one of her earlier films, and it, it shows she's not very good. <laughs> uh, but you can you can go on the site and read my full review for this movie on the site, and I'll be coming out with one of these every week. At least I hope to. Uh, which brings me to my next one. This is a little teaser for next week. I uh, watched a movie called Switchblade Sisters. Switchblade Sisters. This is uh, another exploitation film from 1975. It was uh, written and directed by Jack Hill, who is another huge, uh, hugely influential director from that time. He also did movies like Coffee and Foxy Brown. And this was listed as one of Tarantino's most influential films and he actually ended up buying the rights to this movie and distributing it mm. uh, he they he bought it in like 98 or something and then put it out on that Rolling Thunder uh, Productions <clears throat> or whatever company that he made yeah back when he was he was putting out these and like the Japanese gangster films mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm uh, this is pretty good. Um, I'm working on my review for it now, and that'll be up at some point next week on the site. So I'm not going to talk a lot about it. But uh, one thing to mention in regards to the whole Tarantino thing, the character of uh, Ellie Driver from Kill Bill, you know, Daryl Hannah's character with the mm-hmm. patch, she's directly based off of the character of Patch in this movie. Gotcha. Which is like basically this blonde-haired, uh, one-eyed, badass chick. Um, it's worth a watch, though. I would I would say it's worth a watch. 
Uh, and then finally, the last one I saw uh, last night is a documentary called Minecraft, the story of Mojang. And I'm a big Minecraft fan, and I think that anybody out there, if you haven't played Minecraft, please check it out. It's just an amazing game. And I watched this. This movie actually was streamed live on Xbox last night. Hmm. And it was a a Kickstarter-funded documentary. And I wasn't expecting much, honestly. But it turned out that it was really fucking good. Like, the, it looked amazing. Like, the cinematography, the camera work, excellent. It, it reminded me a lot of Indie Game, the movie. Like, I could tell that they were going for the same kind of vibe yeah. as Indie Game, the movie. And it looked great, and it was informative. Um, I mean, it wasn't anything amazing as far as content, but anybody that doesn't know what Minecraft is or has even the slightest bit of interest in independent games uh, should check this out because it's, it's really good. Now, I don't know if it's still available like for free to watch or what, but <laughs> I would, I would, def- you would, you would love Minecraft. I think. Yeah. I've been, I've been needing to check it out. I just don't really have time. I mean, it, to. it's, I have a feeling that I would enjoy it. It's the type of game where you do whatever you want. You can build, explore, just at your leisure. There's no set set of rules or objectives that you have to do. There's no story. It's kind of just a giant sandbox, and it lets you really be like as creative as you want to be. And on YouTube, you can watch some videos of some just amazing things that people have built in this game. It's basically like Legos, sort of. Gotcha. But uh, recommend that. And that's it. All right. Uh, let's move on and do some Amazon Blu-ray deals. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net. Either click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or simply click on the provided links in the show notes. First up, we have a little bit of a theme. A little bit, two of them. Uh, <laughs> Homeland, the complete first season, nineteen ninety nine for that. So Ooh. if you haven't checked, if you haven't checked out Homeland, now's the time. I have to say this: this show looks terrible. Uh, it's not. It's not. It looks god awful. Trust me, it's it's very good. I haven't I haven't uh, finished the second season. Uh, it started losing me a little bit. In the second season, but it, this feels like one, like all Showtime shows, where they're just gonna just slowly go into batshit crazy. Where you're just like, um, oh come on, there's no way. Come well, you know, there's there's some uh, a, a True Blood does that too. So I don't know. And every other show on Showtime, it hasn't gone completely off the rails yet because they're only in the second season of Homeland. So give them time. Oh, they'll get I'm there. Sure. They'll get I'm there. I'm sure. Uh, but actually, Homeland's partially based off of a true story as well, so they're kind of keeping it realistic at this point. We'll see. Um, I, I recommend checking that out, though. Uh, then we have the Oceans trilogy. This is all three of the Oceans films. 1549. Ooh. Yeah. I'm, I actually liked all the Oceans movies. I enjoyed the Oceans movies as well. Some people didn't like some of some of them. I I thoroughly enjoyed all of them. I actually liked Ocean's Thirteen the best because I'm a sucker for revenge movies. Revenge movies are fantastic. Yep. And then finally we have Magic Mike, fourteen ninety nine. Didn't that just come out like a little bit? Yeah, just just came out a couple weeks ago. There you go. So there we go. Let's uh, just move right on into our review. This week we're going to be doing Judd Apatow's This is 40. Why does it say 38 and not 40? Because your mom wants to be 38. Let's not mention it again. (gasps) It doesn't seem like our lives should be this much work. Their daughter told my son he looked like Tom Petty in a negative way. Who's Tom Petty? You know who Tom Petty is. Catherine, control yourself. This is what happens when you corner a rat. I'll chew through you. We're going to blink and be 90. What? We have to make a choice to make things different. Hey, 
everybody. You should stop letting your dad make you feel guilty. I can't lend you any more money. Your mother wanted you aborted. Oh, Jesus Christ. So this is uh, written and directed by Judd Apatow. Stars Paul Rudd, Leslie Mann, uh, Maud and Iris Apatow, Jason Segel. Uh, there's so many people in this. Robert Smigel, Megan Fox, Charlene Yee. Um, who didn't I mention? Uh, John Lithgow. Albert John Brooks. Lith- yes. Albert Brooks. Uh, Chris O'Dowd. Um, Lena Dunham. I mean, it's uh, just huge. Huge cast. Melissa McCarthy. Uh, so you're you're working on a review for this? Yes. I am done. Okay, so that'll be up by the time you are listening to this. So I will start it off with my thoughts. I liked this movie. Now, I know that the critics are not big fans of this. Last I looked, it had a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes. So critics aren't loving this and I I didn't love it either, but uh, there's enough here for me to say, yeah, I recommend seeing it. It was enjoyable. There were some scenes that I was laughing uncontrollably at Yes, with this movie. And the only thing that I'll say there, there were a couple things. First of all, this movie is 134 minutes long. Yeah. Apatow has that problem. Yes. He does have that problem. I think that you they could have easily, easily trimmed a half an hour off this movie. Oh, and that's in the review. I can tell you exactly what they could have cut out. Uh, first of all, the thing that I thought was completely unnecessary were the extended like music scenes. Thank you. Concert scenes. <laughs> that's that's one of them. The all the Graham Parker performances. I don't give a shit about Graham Parker. I didn't go to see this movie to see Graham Parker perform. Yeah. How old is he now? Like 60, 70 years old? I don't give a shit. They could have, I think that they could have got that whole storyline across without having to show him perform. And I hate it when they do that in movies. Mm -hmm. I hate it. I just, I hate movies that have concert scenes in them. Yes. Like, uh, what was it? Um, this must be the place. Yes, completely unnecessary. <laughs> the talking heads. Like, I just, I don't understand it. And they, they always feel out of place mm-hmm. in the movie. Yes. It always feels out of place. And I just, and this movie had several, not just one. No. Several. They, and uh, I didn't like that at all. I just was, I just thought it was ridiculous. And there, there were a couple other scenes where I thought, okay, well, that, clearly didn't need to be in, involved. There are a lot of storylines going on in this movie. Yes. And it, what I have, because that's the main thing I say in my review, and the other one that I thought was completely unnecessary was the entire who's stealing money from Debbie's store. Yeah. It's completely yeah. unnecessary. There's yeah, no reason for all, any of that. And all those, like the, the extended scene with uh, Charlene Yee's character in the coffee shop, Yes. Fucking ridiculous. There was, what was that? It was retarded. There was no need for that. And then the entire, when she goes out with Megan Fox and they run into the hockey players. Yeah. I mean, there was this, a small thing that was gathered out of that, but in the biggest scope of things, you didn't need that entire sequence of scenes just to get I that little like, nugget. I feel like there were, there were so many scenes that were in there that, I feel like Judd Apatow just added to get more people in there. Like, oh, I want to get the Philadelphia Flyers in there. Uh, I'll write something to get them in there. Yeah. Like, I just, <clears throat> there were some things that, and like uh, the copious amounts of lost references mm-hmm. and scenes of, uh, like, where we actually watched full scenes of the show Lost. Yes. <laughs> like, I, I feel like they could have gotten that whole Lost thing they could have kept that in there, but we don't need to see that much of the show, you know? No, not at all. But all that aside, I still thought it was very funny. Uh, and it was a little bit overly sentimental, like most Judd Apatow movies. But the way that he does it, it never really bothers me. Like, the, the sentiment never really bothers me that much. No, because he'll, he'll hit you with something. Like right yeah. after it or in the middle of it. 
for you know levity's sake, whether it's a dick joke or someone farts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. There are dick jokes and farting in this movie, which uh, wouldn't be an Apatow if there wasn't. And you know, like I'm not a huge fan of that kind of lowbrow humor, but in his movies, it just it makes me laugh every time. The farting scene <laughs> just made me laugh. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but uh, the my favorite scene in this whole movie was the scene where they he goes into Paul Rudd goes into work and he works as a um, a record record label owner. And he goes in, and Chris O'Dowd and Lena Dunham work for him. They're his employees. And there's this scene near the beginning of the film where he goes in and just has this conversation between the two of them. And I was just on the floor. I just thought it was so funny, the back and forth between those three characters. I just thought it was so funny. Yes. And there's a, there's a lot of scenes like that, which this is right up my alley. Because I say it before and I say it again, that my my type of comedy is just like the small exchanges between people, just throw mm-hmm. throwaway lines, just regular chit chat, just shooting the shit type stuff. And there's yeah, and feel, there's tons of it in this movie. Yeah, and I feel like when you get when you have Paul Rudd, Lena Dunham, and Chris O'Dowd together, that those three actors, that's kind of their style. Just you know, they're all about delivery and dialogue. And when you have those three bouncing off of each other, oh my god, it was like and just the perfect storm of comedy. Just them talk discussing Graham Parker's choice in wearing an Oreo hat. Yeah. Now I'm just thinking about it now, and I'm losing it. My favorite thing, and I say it in my uh, review, is Albert Brooks. Oh, he was great. To me, stole every single scene that he was in. Just absolutely yeah, so hilarious. And I love when Paul Rudd goes to try and, you know, to cut back on giving him money because he borrows money incessantly. And he comes up with the idea of the, the playing the new game called Murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where he, he lines up his three identical sons and he's like, we're, we're going to get rid of two of them. Yeah. And just how into the game of murder the three kids are. Yeah, Albert Brooks was great. I love the just uh when when he first met John Lithgow, that <laughs> whole exchange and talking about hunchbacks. Every hilarious. <laughs> I don't see hunchbacks. Is that you? Every, that you you fix that? Every um, time you don't see a hunchback, that's a spinal surgeon getting that much richer. Yeah, he was great. He was great. I mean, he was like he's kind of like a lovable sleaze ball. Mhm. Like you just you like him even though he's kind of a lazy, you know, good for nothing guy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what do you think about Megan Fox? Um, I think this might be like the first movie I've ever seen her in. I think oh, yeah? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's the first movie I've ever seen her in, which I don't think she was that bad. No, I I didn't either, and that that's why I wanted to mention it is she was actually pretty funny. She didn't have a whole lot to work with as far as comedy. Yeah, that's probably on but, purpose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she was obviously put in there to be like the sexy girl. But yeah. I thought that she was she had a much bigger role than I expected. Same here. And I, I I loved the scene with her and Jason Siegel and Chris O'Dowd. I just everything with that I thought was hilarious. I also love the fact that Jason Siegel plays a trainer when he's not in shape at all. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you ever hire a trainer that's not in shape? It, it's it's funny because there are a lot of shortcomings with this movie, but going back and just thinking back at this movie, there's so many little like vignettes that were hilarious. That it's <clears throat> it's just too hard not to recommend this movie. It's just like talking about Jason Siegel, just the first scene with uh Clooney with it. Leslie Leslie Mann <laughs> working working out with her and the other the other woman. It was just hilarious. Clooney in it. Yeah. <laughs> um it, it, Chris O'Dowd I thought was fantastic I'm in a, this movie. I'm a huge fan of Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of his as well. And I thought that he was hilarious. 
And Melissa McCarthy stealing stealing the sh- the scene again. I mean, she's she's going to be everywhere this year. Yes, and I I think that she's amazing. Did you see the? It might. It, I have a feeling it's going to get a bit tiresome. Uh, it just depends. A, a bit tiresome. It depends. I think. See, she was perfect in this movie because she wasn't in it exactly nonstop. She's she's good as a small character. But I think if you're going to start basing like entire movies on this this uh, sort of one note character that she's able to play, she plays it very well. But you know what I mean? Right. Like I saw before this movie, there was the trailer for the Heat, and then a trailer yes. for the was the Identity Theft movie. I don't even know what that was called. Called the Identity Thief. Yeah, and it's just like man, I don't know if I can handle two movies of that. Well, the the Heat looks exactly like her character that she plays in everything the identity thief looks like it might be a little bit different but still kind of playing the same character yeah i don't know i i don't think that either of those look particularly good but she was great in this movie the at the end of the film during the credits they have uh like an extended scene with her and uh, Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann in the principal's office. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Did you see that? No, it's I did hilarious. Not. Oh my god! It's like that whole that whole scene was like ad libbed, and the whole time Paul Rudd and Leslie Mann are like laughing hysterically <laughs> off camera. Yeah, I did. Like I read a number of reviews and comments and stuff where people are saying that it's like not relatable at all. Which I don't know if I just if my life is so much like this and it, apparently I'm the only one that found it extremely relatable because I could pretty much relate to everything that happened in this film. Uh, I could too. Although I do understand where some of them are coming from. Uh, the particular scene that kind of got me was the scene where he, when kind of everything was falling apart and they showed Paul Rudd crying in his uh, nice brand new bmw mm, i was just yeah. like oh fuck cry me a river well the, yeah that was that was the main thing with this movie that infuriated me which is in the review is they live way beyond their means exactly like, these people yeah. are ridiculous they're talking about how they don't have any money and they go on this ridiculous romantic getaway beachfront hotel room ordering all shit tons of room service and it's like what what the fuck is wrong with you guys plus you live in a house that's like 10 times bigger than what you need. And he drives a BMW and she drives a Lexus. And they gave $80,000 to Albert Brooks in a year. And they have all this shit that you could easily sell, which he finally does do with one thing. But I love the little remark from Chris O'Dowd, like $30,000 on a neon sign that's inside the building. Like we don't know where (laughs) we work. Yeah. So there there were some things where I was just like, all right, you know, first world problems, get over it. Well, that's the funny yeah. thing is they argue over the stupid, most trivial things, the trivial aspects of their lives and never discuss like the actual big legitimate problems that they have. I think that that's indicative of many, many relationships. Yeah. Uh, I thought that it was relatable i thought that there was going to be more stuff about being middle-aged you know in it but uh i thought there was enough there was enough there and some things i can't relate to yet but i know that it's going to happen and i will have to relate to it at some point i mean well that's what i do when i was watching the film i'm like man i'm i'm like 40 this is essentially me on the screen Oh man! I imagine act, what it's. I act like a forty-year-old. Imagine what it's going to be like when you're actually forty. Oh, it's going to be devastating. Yeah, I'm going to be like an eighty-year-old man. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, a solid recommendation. Yeah. I just wish, you know, it just it has so much potential to be something great, though. Yeah, it's just I just felt like it was just squandered i was disappointed essentially the way that i end my review is i steal a scene from the movie where which is my favorite is paul discussing like sexual performance 
and Prince. Like, you know, Prince is probably amazing in bed. And he says that he fucks more like David Schwimmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was just perfect. And I'm thinking that that was, that was what this movie had going for it. It could be like Prince in the Bedroom, good. But it ends up just being slightly better than David Schwimmer in the Bedroom, good. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. Uh, now, I would give it a 6 out of 10 for my rating. That's what I gave it as well. Okay, so we're, we're pretty much on the same page. It's it, Movies like this are, are tough because if it makes me laugh that hard... I it's impossible for me to say no don't don't yeah. go see it it's not good well that's that's what I always say it has one task and that's to make me laugh that's all, that's all I want a comedy to do it did that so I recommend it yeah so there you have it this is 40 playing in theaters now solid recommendation from each of us let's go ahead and talk about our predictions like I said kind of dropped the ball because uh, there were several movies that came out like This is 40 that we didn't predict. And I don't know why, uh, I don't know what was going on with me last week. So we predicted Zero Dark 30. Nice. You said 88. I said 90. Actual 94. Oh, okay. Uh, then we said a more. You said 92. I said uh, 93. Actual 92. Oh. Right on the money. Bastard. You were right on the money. Oh. I said 93. You said Oh, uh, okay, okay. So you were right on the money there. Damn right. And then finally, The Guilt Trip. Ooh. You said 52. I said 50. Actual 36. Oh, that's surprising to know. Yeah. I don't know what happened there. What's what's Seth Rogen thinking? Yeah, numerous things happened. It's like, it's like he decided to do that instead of just being in, uh, being in This is 40. Something, something's going on. I feel like he, they should have at least mentioned, at least, at least have, at least have them be in a cameo, especially at near the end when they have like the big birthday party and all the characters. Yeah, like wouldn't you think that Seth Rogen and and Catherine Heigl would be there? Well, I can imagine that they probably couldn't get Catherine Heigl to come back and reprise her role because then they have like a huge falling out. That whole thing. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't hear that, but maybe. I think so. Plus, no one wants Catherine Heigl in their movie. <laughs> well, then they could just have Seth Rogen and be like, oh, she's at home with the kids. Or kid, or whatever. Or that entire thing failed miserably. <laughs> and we're not together anymore. Yeah. There you go. Make it more realistic. Exactly. Uh, next week, well, this week, rather... We have are we Django sh- Unchained. Are we sure? Big one. Yes. Are we sure? I swear to God, if they yank this shit. I'm, well, did you hear? So they they, um, they uh, were going to have the big LA premiere of Django Unchained last week, and they, they um, pulled it. They didn't do it because of the shooting. Oh, yeah, that's right. But I think everything is still on for Christmas Day, Django. What are you thinking on Django? Mm, thinking 88. 88? Okay, I'm going to say I'm so hopeful for this movie. I'm going to say 93. No, no. Take that back. 92. See, I'm thinking the same thing, but there's there's a good number of critics that just don't like him and will never be happy with something that he makes. I know, that really bothers me. I don't understand, but... Alright, then we have Les Miserables. Les Mis. Uh, this is going to be huge. I'm going to say 93 on that one. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Whew. I'm going to say like a 80. 80? What do you say? What do you go That's with? That's a 90, 93. I'm going to go 80. Okay. And then finally, uh, uh, those two come out on the 25th. And then we have Promised Land, the Matt Damon picture. Comes out on the 28th. Uh, what do you think on this one? Uh, since I'm in it. <laughs> yes, John Krasinski. Uh, I'm going to go... Since I'm attached to it, I'm going to go like a 63. Uh, I think... See, I don't know, because I don't think it looks very good, but at the same time, it's getting all kinds of buzz. Scoot McNary's in it. 
Yes, he is. And Meg Ryan? Meg Ryan in a movie. Really? I'm going to say 80 on that one. 80? Yeah. All right. DVD and Blu-ray releases. Oh. The words. That's it. <laughs> the words. That's the only one that's coming out just because of the holidays. Yeah. And it looks awful, by the way. Just to give Oh, you. God. Uh, yeah, critics just hated that. Well, you know, it's that extremely original idea of... Plagiarism. Plagiarism. Yay. Yeah. Wow. I just realized that Promised Land was also written by Dave Eggers. So that means it's going to be terrible. Probably. Probably. All right. I think that wraps it up. For all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedbackfilmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie when we have him watch Main Street. Happy Holidays. Maybe. Sinatra was swinging, all the drunks they were singing. We kissed on the corner, then danced through the night. The boys of the envelope, the choir was singing, go away, play. And the bells were ringing out for Christmas Day. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Fuck holidays. Oh, man. Holy shit.